Welcome to the fucking show. And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Uh, how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to episode 92 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Last week, we had Ryan Moore on to discuss a NBA preview with me. We went ahead and gave our season predictions, the seedings 1 through 8, our conference championship picks and our NBA finals picks along with our single player awards predictions. If you missed that episode, the NBA season is still just started, so go ahead and give that a listen. Um, A bit of a lengthy episode, but a good episode. Uh, This week on the sack, episode 92, we have a mail sack of listener questions. We have some college football preview The first initial college football playoff rankings were released on Tuesday. We're going to get into that a little bit. And we also have a full slate of NFL games to get into and some off-the-field issues for a couple teams that I'd like to get into. And we're going to talk about some of the transactions that happened at the trade deadline. So a full show. Glad you are listening. Before we get into any of that, as always, I do need to remind you all, Like, rate, review, subscribe, any of that good stuff on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you may get your podcast from. It helps me out a lot, and I assume if you're listening to this, you want to help me out at least a little bit, um, but you could help me out a lot by doing any of those three things. So thank you very much. Let's get right into this week's episode of The Sack with The Mail Sack. Our first question on the mail sack this week comes from Matt Ewell, who asks, what city would you like to see one day acquire a NBA or NFL team? So NBA right off, I would like to get a team back to Seattle. I would also like to get a team possibly to Louisville. I know Louisville, they're sort of on the outskirts there of, yes, they're a big city, but Are they big enough to really house a professional team? I think the college teams they have here with Louisville and Bellarmine, and then you have the professional teams like the AAA affiliates, the Bats, and then the Louisville and Racing City FCs. I think those are probably topped off about at how big of a sports thing they could be. Um, I would love if an NBA team came here. But I don't think that's probably going to happen, especially with expansion. You would have to bring in two teams, and I think they probably would want to add something in like Las Vegas. And I'd be cool with adding an NBA team in Las Vegas. For the NFL, I'd like to see them return to St. Louis. But you would also have to have another city come into that. Maybe you add one in Canada. If anything, but I think all the major cities and states within those, 
they're basically covered. Like Florida, you got enough. Texas, you have multiple teams. You have enough. California, you certainly have enough teams there. You go, and then the New York teams, enough there. Pennsylvania, enough there. Ohio, two teams there. I think we're all set on NFL teams. I think 32 is a good number for them. I don't think they need any more than what they already have. The next question comes from Mike Bennett. We got a couple. Um, First one he asks, do you pre-plan your answers for these questions? Typically, no, unless it is a, a deeper, more thoughtful question or something that I need to, like, research so I can talk about it but most of the time no I, I i obviously read the questions as they come in and like i have a an immediate reaction to when i read it what i think my answer is going to be but i don't pre-plan the answers for these questions the next question he asks is what is the biggest surprises in the nfl thus far i think the chiefs being as okay as they've been, I don't want to say they've been bad, but how okay they've been is a big surprise. I think the Lions, to me, is a bit of a surprise. I thought they would have had a win by now. I think the Cowboys is a pretty big surprise as well for how well the record is and them coming off the big win they had on Sunday Night Football without Dak Prescott. We knew they had a good, talented roster. We knew there was a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. But the defense is what was the big question mark. And so far, that defense has passed the test with flying colors. Not a total surprise to me, but a, like, huh, really? Uh, Was Matthew Stafford coming over to the Rams and just how successful and good they have been? That's exciting. I would say the Cardinals being the only undefeated team was a pretty big surprise to me. I would also say Justin Fields playing right now. I would I understand the whole Andy Dalton got hurt thing, but it seemed like Matt Nagy was extremely adamant about the process and the plan, whatever that was, about how he was going to pr- progress. Justin Fields' career along and really just stick him and keep him behind Andy Dalton. But that's a little surprising to me. The Bengals, how well they've done with their retooled lineup, pretty impressive, surprising to me. Uh, that's about it. That's about the only surprise. There's only been a few, actually, hasn't there? The last question that comes from Michael Bennett is, what would your WWE stage name be? If you are a wrestling fan or watching it all as a kid growing up, you understand and know that there are so many, like, stupid names that become, like, big and popular. Like, the world's biggest movie star in Dwayne Johnson literally was a rock. Just the rock. Like, how in the hell? Like, that's so stupid. There was a wrestler named Edge. Like, Put it on the edge of the table. Oh, that's a, that's that guy's name, Edge. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, that's cool, whatever, but he was supposed to be like Frosty McFreeze or something like that. There was a wrestler named Mankind. And then you have, like, cool names that are, like, could be a real person's name. Like, Seth Rollins. Isn't Seth Rollins' real name? Um, let me think. 
AJ Styles isn't his real name. Preferably, I would like to just keep my real name. But what, what WWE is doing a lot now is they want single-named wrestlers. So, like, Matt Riddle, who's been popular as of recently there, he just became Riddle. Um, Antonio Cesaro, when he was coming up, now he's just Cesaro. I imagine they would probably cut Karis out of my name to make it a singular thing. So I guess I would just be Carson, but, like, that's not... Super intimidating or striking, I understand that. Uh, so I would probably need a good nickname. I have absolutely no clue what that would be. That would I'd need to get more into character and what my gimmick would be, and I have no clue what that is right off. So I would like to keep my own name because hopefully if I'm in the WWE, I'm also charismatic enough to branch off and do some movies or do some TV or something like that after wrestling where I think it obviously The Rock like everybody I think probably knows him as Dwayne Johnson as well but maybe they don't maybe I don't get to his level as the world's biggest movie star and I can just keep my regular name and it'll help me gain notoriety and gain fans quickly because like oh I know the wrestler Okay, I know Carson Karras, the wrestler. I know Carson Karras, the actor now, too. So I'd like to keep my real name if all possible, but I would need probably a cool-ass nickname. Our next question comes from Kennedy Poston, who asked, Prediction for the Bengals versus Browns game this week. I am going to the game. I would love to be going to the game, Kennedy. I'm still looking at tickets. Tickets are a bit more expensive than anticipated. Predictions, the Browns appear to be a shit show. Off the field at the moment, I'm going to get a little bit into that in the NFL segment I'm going to do later on. Predictions, I think the Browns somehow come out and win this game. They're going to have to play their best game of the year to do that, and I think they might be capable of doing that. It seems like one of those weird things where the Bengals fans and probably like Anna's are going to be like, oh, this is going to be so easy, like the Browns have all this off the field issues, and how's that going to affect them on the field, and then... Somehow the Browns come out and rush for like 300 yards. Baker has his best game of the year and defense shows up and they end up winning. So I think the Browns actually do steal a game in Cincinnati this week. Pollard Marino is our next question asker and she asks three. She says, when are you moving to L.A.? I am never moving to L.A. It was a fun visit. I would visit again, but I will never move there. Predictions for USA versus Mexico. I think Mexico is going to lose. Um, I believe Pulsek is going to be back for the Americans. That's a big added bonus for them in these World Cup qualifying games, so it's very important. And then she also asked, why have I been beating you every week in fantasy? And don't say you're not trying because you are. I'm really not trying that awful hard. Um, Most of the time, I am making them the morning of when we're doing things. If I put in a lot of effort, I think I would easily beat you. Uh, You have not beaten me every week. I think you probably are up on the season series, if you want to call it that. But it does not help the last two weeks when three of my players within the first quarter of their game have been injured and knocked out, basically getting me zero points. So you have gotten lucky, I would say, more than you are good this year. But uh, I appreciate the effort you're making into 
making teams. The next question comes from Jake Madley, who asks, with it being fall, are you a hoodie or a sweatshirt, no hood person, and why? I am a hoodie person. I do own articles of clothing, the long sleeve sweatshirts without the hood, but I am mostly a hooded person for two reasons. The front pocket that comes on hoodies, and I am a big fan of the hood itself. Um, I believe 90% or... Somewhere around that of the body's heat is lost through the head, and I am not a good beanie wearer, especially in the winter, obviously. I attempt to, but my head is so big that I put it on my head, and it, like, is too big, so it the beanie itself, like, rises up. And it just, like, falls off my head over the course of wearing it. So I don't really like wearing beanies. So I throw the hood up. I throw the hood up. Keeps my head warm. Keeps my body warm. Keeps my hands warm. Um, so I am that way. If I'm on the golf course, I like hoodies. But I understand that some places aren't hoodie friendly yet when it comes to golf attire. So I will probably err on the side of a quarter zip or a sweatshirt in that instance. But most of the time, I would rather wear a hoodie as opposed to a sweatshirt. Our next question comes from Patrick Fulton, who asks, how are you feeling? Pat, I appreciate you reaching out and asking this. Um, If we're going to be 100% honest, uh, seasonal depression has struck me once again. It's a pretty cool thing that happens to me about every fall and winter where uh, I just feel like not doing anything and sort of just like whatever about a lot of things like going out, um, doing this podcast occasionally. I don't want to do it, but um, I I don't have to, but I know that at the end I'll be glad that I did do it. so, been dealing with that a little bit, uh, started a new job as well, so going through a few different things, some changes, um, going on a golf trip next week though, so it'll be nice to uh, unplug and recharge and maybe get the mind right a little bit, so, but overall, I feel good, I'm not trying, this is not a pity party, um, I feel good, most of all, so I don't want anybody to be concerned and I don't want this to be a gloomy segment or anything like that uh just an open and honest answer there Pat I hope you appreciate that and I hope the rest of the listeners appreciate that um and then our last question comes from Mary Andrews who asks what are you going to do for episode 100 Mary I do not know exactly yet I'm thinking of for episode 100 that will be the time when merch is released I looked at the scheduling wise if I continue to do it the 100th episode will be around week 17 or 18 of the NFL season um that's if I don't miss a week or anything and that's up in the air I might miss next week because of said golf trip just depending on how that goes but I think that might be the official merch like drop and I don't know I can guarantee it's not going to be a hoodie or a t-shirt. I'm entertaining the idea of stickers or koozies. I'm trying to see what the best place for that is. If anybody listening knows a good place where you can make customized koozies and or stickers, uh, send me some links. Get me in contact with some people. I'd love to do that. Um, At this moment, I'm not 100% sure what the celebration for the 100th episode will be, but... Tentatively, we are planning some type of merch drop for the 
episode 100. And you're not... I'm not going to charge people for this merch, especially if it's just stickers. I'll just fucking hand those out. Uh, koozies, I'm not going to charge people for them. I'll just give you the koozie or whatever. Don't feel inclined to do anything like that. But, uh, yeah, I think that'll be what I end up doing for episode 100 when I end up getting there. That is going to do it for this week's Mail Sack. As always, thank you so much to listeners that sent in questions. That segment is made possible by you all, so it helps me out and means a ton to me that you would go ahead and do that. Uh, Keep your eyes peeled on social media, Instagram and Snapchat on my stories where I post those for you to send in your questions and you can have your question read and answered live on Carson Sack Podcast. Thank you again for everybody that sent those questions in. Now we are going to shift focus and we are going to talk about the NFL and the Week 9 action. The first game on the Week 9 schedule, we have the New York Jets going to the Indianapolis Colts on Thursday night. The Jets coming off a surprising win against the Bengals last week where Mike White, the WKU legend, started his first game in the NFL after Zach Wilson left the previous game with an injury. He led them to the upset of the Bengals. They're going to Indianapolis to take on the Colts, led by Carson Wentz, who I know nobody cares about fantasy. Um, I had to... Start him last week, and I was pretty impressed by how he played. Obviously, the bonehead interception late in the game cost them that game against the Titans, but I've been fairly impressed with how he's played uh, the last few weeks, especially in that rain game against the 49ers. I was, I've been thoroughly impressed. I understand that their record isn't great. I mean, it's three and five, um, but I don't know if it's necessarily all on him. They've been dealing with injuries all year. Uh, Paris Campbell, Quentin Nelson has been in and out. The defense has been a little banged up. They had a tough opening schedule as well, but I I think this is sort of obvious in this one. I like the Colts to win this game, but I think the 10.5 is maybe a tad too much, but I, uh, I like what the Colts are going to probably do in this game, probably try and establish the run. Carson Wentz, as long as he isn't just turning the ball over and making stupid mistakes, I do like the Colts on this one pretty comfortably. So I will take the Colts. The next game I'd like to look at is the Browns going to the Bengals on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Um, the Browns coming off the loss last week against the Steelers where the Browns' defense only allowed the Steelers to score 15 points and they still lost. That's a bit demoralizing. Baker Mayfield coming back after the week off with the shoulder injury to his non-throwing arm. Obviously, the big stuff this week so far with the Browns has been the Odell issues. If you don't or not aware of those issues, then uh, let me give you a little taste of it. So Odell's dad went on social media and posted a like low lights basically clip of all the times Baker Mayfield had made a bad pass to Odell Beckham Jr. And then that caused a ton of stir among social media and the Browns fans on Tuesday um excuse me on Wednesday 
Odell is dismissed from practice. He doesn't practice. There's an apparently a meeting between the Odell's representatives with like his agent and Andrew Barry of the Browns to work out a situation for him going forward with the Cleveland Browns. Stefanski and Odell haven't talked. They didn't talk yesterday. They didn't talk today. Baker and Odell haven't talked. Um, Baker had a press conference day where he spoke. He said he spoke with Jarvis Landry, who goes back and is good friends with Odell from the days at LSU. And I hope that doesn't. I hope this situation doesn't ruin that relationship because I think that is a good relationship there. I think those are two guys that help turn around the culture of Cleveland. But I think it's just a real shitty situation all around. I don't think either side is really at fault. I think both of these guys are good football players. With Odell, you have when he's healthy and like is Odell probably a top five top seven receiver in the NFL with Baker we saw that last year he can be a above average game-winning quarterback for you in the NFL this year with the injuries I understand that doesn't help neither of these guys has really looked like themselves this year and that's concerning when this trade happened three years ago I sort of felt like there was this narrative amongst social media and the media that uh, I don't think they were actively rooting for this to fail, but they weren't in favor of it, and they were sort of, I guess, hoping. I don't want to. I understand I said not actively rooting, but I guess hoping for it to fail, like just so their argument could be proved right. I don't think Odell is this locker room problem or anything like that and I don't think Baker Mayfield is as bad of a quarterback at times that he's made out to be sometimes just two good players just don't work out like sometimes things just don't work out like relationships don't work out for some reason jobs don't work out sometimes two players being on the same team and like the team the chemistry that they have they just don't work out this seems to be that case the Browns, I think, possibly fucked up because the trade deadline was yesterday, and it seems like if things continue to progress, they're just either going to sit Odell and sort of do like a Deshaun Watson situation where he's still getting paid, but he's just going to be inactive, which I would absolutely hate, but... They could have traded him yesterday. I understand that maybe what they were asking and what they were being offered wasn't close enough to where they could actually get a deal done. I think it would be absolutely awful situation if they just go ahead and they cut him and they wave him or whatever, and then they have to end up paying some of him. I just don't think that's the best situation. Ultimately, I tweet this out. If I was Baker Mayfield, I would love if Odell returned, and I would throw him... 20 balls the first game back just like feed him like there was a game back in the day where Brandon Marshall I think I don't remember how many receptions he had he set the single game reception record within the last 20 years um do that one game just to like get him going I don't know like And I saw some things where people were putting the blame on Stefanski because in Stefanski's offense 
Stephon Diggs couldn't really find his footing and couldn't find a place and as a star receiver wanted out. I don't know if it's a Stefanski thing. Maybe that's an underlying issue. I have no idea. I don't think Baker and the Browns, especially with the type of ball they're playing, need like a superstar receiver. Like I think Jarvis is what they want and need. Like he is a good receiver. Um, he's not a stretch the field guy, but he's a good possession type guy. Um, and just addressing this and looking forward, you go and you look at maybe some free agents or guys in the draft next year. Um, there's an Allen Robinson available. There's a Chris Godwin. There's the Ohio State duo. There's a Dotson from Penn State. There's the USC kid. There's a ton of talent out there uh, that's available, but it's just a real sticky situation right now. I hope and wish the best for both sides in this. I would love if Odell came back um, to this team and was able to provide some type of positive impact. But if he isn't able to and the Browns let him go, I would much rather them let him go than just keep him actively on the roster and have that be a distraction through the rest of the year because this team is talented enough where if they start clicking and putting things together – they can still make a run at the playoffs and do something in the playoffs. I would hate for that to be a distraction this entire year. Um, so ultimately, I hope they do get this figured out and they can come together and hopefully coexist and be a positive impact on the Browns' remaining games this year. For this game, though, um, as I mentioned in Kennedy's answer on the mail sack, for some reason, this just feels like something like everybody's going to probably say, take the Bengals, take the Bengals, take the Bengals. Uh, so I'm going to take the Browns. I expect probably a heavy dose of Nick Chubb. Um, I would like to see Darren Johnson get some more run as well. He had the touchdown last week for the Browns. Um, he showed he's a capable runner in the NFL. I would like to see him maybe get more involved, take more of a role like the Kareem Hunt role while Hunt is still on the sideline. Uh, the Browns got some guys back as well this week in practice. Donovan Peoples-Jones at the receiver position. Uh, Denzel Ward as well. Um, so it's nice to see that maybe some injuries are going to help and then get some guys back and that can help them win on Sunday. I'm going to take the Browns simply just because obviously I'm a Browns fan, but it just seems like one of those games and the Bengals were in one of those games last week and they didn't win, um, which sort of shows the Bengals are a good team right now, but they're not a great team. They are in the hunt, but not a proven winner just yet because there's games like last week and maybe this week as well where they are the better team. They know they're supposed to win. Everybody knows they're supposed to win, but they just couldn't get it done. I think there's a, another issue like that, and the Browns win. The next game is the Broncos and the Cowboys. The Cowboys getting the big win on Sunday night with Cooper Rush, at quarterback, after Dak Prescott's injury in the game last two weeks ago against the Patriots. Still lingered on. Uh, pretty, I think, lucky win by the Cowboys, but... Sort of something to the opposite of how I just mentioned with the Bengals. A game where everybody thinks you're going to lose and you end up winning in a gutsy, gritty way. Maybe this Cowboys team isn't getting enough respect for how good they actually are and how well they're constructed. Um, it appears that Dak is going to be back. Nothing about this Broncos team really scares me. Um, 
they were able to get run on a couple weeks ago by the uh, Browns. We go last week. Patterson was a leading rusher for Washington in that game with only 46 yards, but uh, the offense for the Broncos against a very eh, Washington defense. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater only threw for one touchdown. Melvin Gordon only ran for one touchdown. They were only able to put up 17 points. Um, so I don't know if they're going to be able to score with the Cowboys. So I will go with the Cowboys in this one. The next game, we have the Texans and the Dolphins. This game stinks. Um, I pity you if you go out of your way to watch this. Just don't. I will go with the Dolphins in this one. I I think maybe they maybe found something that they could build on. Maybe like after last week's game against the Bills where they kept it close, but I know they ultimately did end up losing. But uh, you go back and you look at that last game. Uh, Tua didn't throw a touchdown. Gaskins and the running game for them, like it's been all year, has been totally inefficient with only 36 yards. They did get Devontae Parker back. Um, he had a good game. He led the Dolphins in receiving. I uh, I still think that the Tyrod is questionable at the moment. He's still working his way back. I will take the Dolphins over the Texans. The next game, we have the Falcons and the Saints. The Saints are going to be without Jameis Winston for the rest of the year. They're going to lean on Taysom Hill as their quarterback. Taysom Hill, I think, is a great fantasy quarterback, but not a good NFL quarterback, if that makes sense. He's going to put up numbers. He's going to get you a lot of fantasy points, but I don't know ultimately if they're good enough. If he's good enough to take the Saints to where they want to be this year. I will take the Saints in this one. Possibly a letdown spot for them after the big win they had last week against the Buccaneers. But I do think that the Saints defense is good enough to cause problems for the Falcons uh, offense. Whether that's a turnover late or a sack late or something late that really swings the game. Um, I think it'll probably be a decently close game. But I will take the Saints to win that game especially with it being at home the next game we have the Raiders going to the Giants I'll take the Raiders in this one um I feel like I need to mention it the absolutely awful situation with Henry Ruggs that happened uh where he was speeding at speeds of 157 156 miles per hour under the influence where he killed a woman and her dog and I don't think it's been like confirmed yet, but I believe that woman was burned to death, trapped in her car. Um, there's video of it out there of the car on fire, the woman still in it, and Henry Ruggs just sitting there on the ground on the street. It's a really just sh- obviously shitty situation, but a really tough video to watch with given... The context and what you know about that. Um, I I don't want to compare the, that situation at all to the John Gruden thing. Because obviously they're both bad situations for two totally different reasons. Um, we saw how the Raiders like responded to the John Gruden incident. I'm sort of banking on them. Like, responding to this other incident with Henry Ruggs. And, like, 
coming together as a team and winning this game. Um, and I think the Giants put out a ton of effort on Monday Night Football against the Chiefs last week. So I will take the Raiders over the Giants. Uh, the next game, we have the Patriots and the Panthers. I'm going to take the Patriots in this one, um, whether Sam Darnold or P.J. Walker starting for the Panthers. I think the Patriots, uh, they come off the big win last week against the Chargers where Mac Jones went for 217 yards, no touchdowns, but uh, Damian Harris a touchdown and 80 yards on the ground. Um, and the defense was able to limit Herbert a little bit, two touchdowns, but they did get the two interceptions. Um, I expect a few more of those this week, regardless of Walker or Darnold being at quarterback for the Panthers. So I will take the Patriots to win that game. In the next game, we have the Bills and the Jaguars. This one seems pretty clear cut. Um, I'm going to go with the Bills. They're the better team by a ton, so I'm going to go with them. The next game we have is the Chargers and the Eagles. This is a sack pick. The Chargers minus one and a half. Um, the Eagles might be able to get pressure on Justin Herbert a little bit, but I don't think he's going to turn the ball over as much as he did last week. Um, and I think the Chargers defense, while it's not great against the run, will be able to get some pressure on Jalen Hurts and the Chargers will be able to win this game. It's really interesting that now that Miles Sanders is hurt, the Eagles sort of put a premium on running the ball. Um, Boston Scott had two touchdowns. Jordan Howard had two touchdowns. Um, a bit weird to me that that's the timing of that. I understand they played the Lions last week and maybe that was just the game plan. Um, I imagine that's probably going to be a part of the game plan this week because of the Chargers and their poor run defense. So uh, we'll see how that goes, but I do think the Chargers ultimately end up winning, and that is a sack pick. Uh, the next sack pick we have is the Packers going to the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a 7.5-point favorite. Um, I'm going to monitor that line. Regardless, I'm going to bet it. I'm just hoping it comes down some. Um Obviously, Aaron Rodgers out for this game because of the COVID protocol. He was found to have COVID. And then there's some more off-the-field issues with that because it, it goes back to where he is saying now that he was um, immune, immunized. And the NFL and the Packers sort of just took that as... He got the vaccine, and he ultimately didn't, and there's been some instances where he hasn't followed the COVID protocols, so it's a sticky situation. I imagine Rodgers and or the Packers are going to get fined. Um, Rodgers is going to be out this game. I think the latest he can return, or excuse me, the earliest he returns is the Saturday before their next next game, uh, so he misses this game, and that's about it, but in the meantime... I think this could be an ultimate, like, hey, remember, we're the fucking Chiefs. Like, we're still good um, game, and I'll take the Chiefs, and I'll take the points, and I'll give you the sack pick. Um, it does concern me a little bit that that game should have been last week against the Giants, and they barely won that, but... Uh, I think maybe this is the week. I understand that this is a better all-around Packers team, but uh, I don't trust Jordan Love, and I think maybe this is the week that it sort of just 
clicks for Patrick Mahomes and that offense. In the next game, we have a an important matchup in the NFC West. We have the Cardinals going up against the San Francisco 49ers. Kyler Murray with an injury uh, for the Thursday night game last week. Still dealing with that. Cliff Kingsbury came out and said today that, hey, he doesn't really need to practice this week. He can still be our starter um, without practice this entire week. I uh, The 49ers get the win last week against the Bears. Jimmy Garoppolo was about as Jimmy Garoppolo as can be in that game. 322 yards. Mitchell on the ground for the 49ers with 137 yards and a touchdown. And Debo Samuels, 171 yards receiving, putting up a ton of offensive numbers. I will go with the 49ers in this one. This seems like a weird game. Um, I think maybe the 49ers defense can step up and get some pressure on Kyler. And if he's feeling the effects of that injury and he becomes a little bit more, a little bit less mobile, so immobile, and has to force some throws or makes a few bad throws uh, because he can't scramble and extend the play or move around in the pocket, then I think that could be an issue. So I will take the 49ers over the Cardinals. Um, Another sack pick is the Sunday night game between the Titans and the Rams. I'm going to go with the Rams. Right now, they're sitting at 7.5. I think the loss of Derrick Henry is massive. I have no clue what Adrian Peterson is going to present for them. I don't know if he's going to be officially active for this game. If he's not, you just have McNichols, who he's a great pass-catching guy, but hasn't shown it really between the tackles like Derrick Henry. Um, I expect an uptick in usage in the passing game for uh, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, and I just don't think that the Titans are going to be able to score with the Rams. Um, I know the Titans... Uh, have a top five or top three in total sacks player on their team and their back half, the secondary, has played really well. But uh, the Rams also, they welcome in Von Miller to pair with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on that defense. Um, I like that a ton. That was a big trade deadline move that happened. Um, I am just pretty much... All in on the Rams this week, just given the injury of the Derrick Henry. And then the Monday night game, you have the Bears going to the Steelers. I think the Steelers will be able to win this game. I think the Steelers' defense is going to cause some issues with blitzes and pressure on Justin Fields. If the Steelers are going to be... I know the record 4-3, and three, they're still technically relevant in the NFC North title race. But if they're going to be... Uh, actually relevant they need to figure out the offense um 15 points last week just isn't going to get it done most weeks i understand last week they did but it was a bit of an outlier but 15 and then 23 that's fine um they've been winning their last couple games uh you go back and they beat the browns they beat the seahawks they beat the broncos um so they're on a three-game winning streak i think they moved to four uh but I'd like to see that offense look a little bit better. Uh, Ben's progressed, but he needs to take another step for this Steelers team to be, I think, actual contenders in the NFC North. Um, and I think maybe that's a possibility this week. It'll be interesting to see if the 
Bears front line can get some pressure on Ben Roethlisberger uh, with Hicks and if Khalil Mack is back. But ultimately, I do think that the Steelers end up winning this game. And then breaking news into the show, as I am recording this, um, according to a source of Jordan Schultz, Odell Beckham Jr. has very likely played his final game for the Browns. So it appears that uh, everything I said about the whole Odell and Baker situation is just not going to happen. So that's pretty cool. Pretty cool as a Browns fan um, to know that. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Let's, for the love of God, please move on now to uh, college football. We enter week nine of the college football season, and with that comes the first edition of this year's college football playoff rankings. They are as follows. Georgia, number one. Alabama, number two. Michigan State at number three. Oregon at 7 and 1, Ohio State at 7 and 1, they are 5, Oregon was number 4, excuse me, I read the records. Number 6 is Cincinnati, 7 Michigan, 8 Oklahoma, 9 Wake Forest and 10 Notre Dame. Uh UTSA undefeated, they are not in these rankings at all. A bit uh a few question marks with the rankings so far. Um, I don't really have a problem with Georgia. I I kind of, but not really, have a problem with Alabama being number two. I certainly think they're one of the top four teams in the country. Uh, but the wins that they do have, Miami, not great. Mercer, obviously not great. Florida's not in these top 25s. Uh, Southern Miss, not in the top 25. Ole Miss is. Uh, Texan M is the loss. Mississippi State, I believe, is ranked as well. And then Tennessee was their other win, is not. So two ranked wins so far. I I don't know if you would put Michigan State there at number two. I know they beat Michigan. They also That's really... Yeah, I... I guess it's how you value rather the two ranked wins for Alabama compared to the one top 10 win uh, for Michigan State. Also looking at Oklahoma, um, Oklahoma hasn't really beat anybody this year, but I would still rank them higher because I still think they are probably one of the five or six best teams in the country. And I don't think Oklahoma needs to entirely push the panic button on this like ranking initially at all because they still have games against Baylor this week. Excuse me. Baylor next week. Iowa State and Oklahoma State and they'll probably get one of those two as a top 15 rank again and as conference champions. I don't know if maybe some of the stench or stink of what Oklahoma has done in the college football playoff is sort of rubbing off on this team. I would hate for that to be the case. Um, It does seem like certain teams get reputation, excuse me, reputations when it comes to the playoff and conferences get these reputations and it's seen um, in these rankings. Uh, I absolutely no problem with Oregon being ranked ahead of Ohio State. 
Oregon wins that head-to-head matchup. Oregon still has uh, a game at Utah that people are pegging as a loss for them, and then the college, excuse me, the Pac-12 championship game if all goes well. I think Oregon might have some problems with Utah, especially it being at Utah. So that's a game to look and keep your eyes out for. Um, I think Ohio State is certainly a win out in your in situation. They would still have to beat a Michigan State team who, if they keep winning, at worst is going to be third in the country. A Michigan team who will probably be a top 15, top 10 team when they play them. And then at the worst, they're going to play Iowa, Minnesota, or Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game if they make it that far. And all three of those teams at this moment are a top 25 uh, opponent. So I think it's a win-in-your-in situation for them. If I'm Cincinnati, I'm kind of pissed off. I understand they haven't won all their games how they probably should have, but if you're Cincinnati, you hear like, hey, you need to schedule these games, these out-of-conference games against better teams and better competition and win those games. And like that's what the committee has put an importance on. They go out and they play Indiana. I get Indiana isn't as good as they thought they were going to be this year, but they beat them by 14. They go to Notre Dame, who Notre Dame uh, sits at number 11, excuse me, 10th in the country now. Um, They're going to have games again against SMU. I know they just suffered their first loss, and they're not even ranked, but in the AP they were ranked, and they'll probably have to play Houston uh, in their conference championship game, who I know they're not ranked at the moment. But I I just feel that Cincinnati's getting a bit disrespected. Um, But we'll see. Obviously, this is going to change so much. Um, I don't think there really needs to be a ton put into this initial uh, ranking. I just wanted to touch on it a little bit uh, because so many of these teams are still yet to play each other that there's going to be that are going to have implications on the college football playoff. So, I uh, just wanted to make a note of that. Um, we're at another week where this slate of games isn't totally great or anything there's a few top 25 matchups but nothing that really jumps out um Ohio State goes to Nebraska at Nebraska concerns me a bit the last time they were there though at Justin Fields they almost hung 100 um you hear a bunch of teams and coaches talking when they play Nebraska like hey this Nebraska team's like good they're not as bad as the record is I have no truth if that's the case I hope that's not the case Ohio State's a 14 and a half point favorite hopefully they're able to cover that and win Um, I'm gonna go with Ohio State in that one Tennessee comes to Kentucky Kentucky after a disastrous game against Mississippi State I really thought maybe and this was the team for Kentucky that wasn't going to shit the bed um, and just have a Kentucky-ish type loss when they a win, a game where they should win, but they end up losing. This was that game. Will Levis, three interceptions, only one touchdown. Chris Rodriguez, an uninspiring eight carries for only 34 yards. Mississippi State's defense was extremely good. And then Will Rogers was able to throw the ball all over the field for 344 yards and only one touchdown. Um, it's an important game. I think maybe a bit of a wake-up call for Kentucky. I think that's pretty bad for Tennessee. Um, I do like Kentucky in this one. 
Mississippi goes to Georgia. That's like slaughter. That's Georgia all day. Uh, Wake Forest goes to North Carolina. North Carolina's favorite in this one. I will take the Tar Heels. Um, Sam Howe is still a good quarterback. Um, 19 touchdowns, 7 interceptions on the year. Um, Hartman for Wake Forest, though, 22 touchdowns and only 3 interceptions. Um, I will take North Carolina, though, in this one. Uh, Liberty goes to Ole Miss. I don't know what the... Let me look at the early over-under on that one. Uh, 67.5 feels a bit low, if I'm being honest. I like the over in that, and I like Ole Miss to win that game. Uh, Michigan State coming off the big win last week where Walker had five touchdowns against Michigan. They head to Purdue. That's a sneaky spot. Um, I know... Purdue already pulled off the upset against Iowa early this year, so maybe the uh, Cinderella magic, the fairy dust, the magic dust, whatever you want to call it, has rubbed off a little bit. I like this game to be close, but uh, I do ultimately have Michigan State winning that game. Uh, Notre Dame and Navy. Notre Dame wins that one. Oklahoma State going to West Virginia. This is a game I think West Virginia can keep close and potentially win. Um, I like what their quarterback does. 11 touchdowns, 7 interceptions on the year for him, uh, 2,000 yards. And Oklahoma State's offense this year, not typically what it is. It's sort of the defense for them. Um, But I think West Virginia has enough where they can cause some problems for Oklahoma State. So I will actually go with West Virginia to pull off the upset in this one. Um... Then our one of our top 25 matchups, Auburn going to Texas A&M. Um, I'm going to go with Texas A&M. I think the ground game with Spiller is going to spell disaster for Auburn. And I think maybe Bo Nix, who has sort of played well since the Penn State game, um, I think he maybe regresses to his old ways and the 12th man there at Kyle Field makes a difference. I will take Texas A&M. Uh, moving on, Mississippi State and Arkansas. I'll take Arkansas in that one. Uh, I think Mississippi State. Uh, I understand it's Kentucky, and like ranking wise, that's a big win. Um, maybe a bit of a hangover there. LSU and Alabama at Alabama as well. Alabama to roll. Um, Boise State, Fresno State, Fresno State. Oregon going to Washington. There's some off-the-field banter between the head coach and I believe it's Oregon's AD or president and Washington's head coach. Um, But Washington hasn't really done anything this year to warrant like me to pick them, which means they'll probably come out and beat Oregon just because nobody's expect really expecting it. It's only a seven point spread at the moment, um, but I do like Oregon in that one. And then Indiana and Michigan. I think Michigan takes out the frustrations from the game last week on Indiana and probably runs for around three hundred yards and gets the victory. That is going to do it for the Week 9 slate of games uh, in college football. And that is going to do it for Episode 92 of Carson Sack, where we talk balls. Before I get out of here, if you follow me on Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter, you did see a post and a tweet that we, you all, not me, you all have 
gotten this podcast to over 20,000 listens. Granted, yeah, I make the podcast, but you all listen to them. And um, that means a whole lot. I certainly, when I started this podcast, I wanted to do it. I like talking sports. I want to do something in this field eventually, uh, preferably every day as a radio host, where I just do a podcast, but live and on the air. Hopefully that actually does end up happening someday. But for now, this is what I do, and I put a lot of effort into this, and it is nice to see that that effort is not in vain. Um, It's been rewarded uh, 20,000 times. And whether you have listened to a second, a minute, an hour, a whole episode, or you've taken the time to listen to 92 of these episodes, or however many episodes, um, it means a whole lot that the effort I put into this and a passion of mine and a want of mine has reached people 20,000 times. Um, There's been times where... Coming into the football season, there's sort of a question to myself these last few years where like, oh, do I really want to keep doing this? Like when I started it, I was a sophomore in college and it's like, oh, you're a college kid with a podcast. And then you get out of that and you're just a regular guy with a podcast. Like there's so many podcasts out there. Like why even do that? Why keep doing that? Um but uh, 20,000 listens, I understand that that is, in the grand scheme of things, with the, like, the part of my takes or the, I don't, like, the no-laying-ups or, like, other podcasts I listen to that are, like, mainstream, like, the Titus and Tate stuff. I understand, comparable to them, that's 20,000 is, like, the first hour, two hours of an episode to them. But for me, 20,000 is a big landmark. I made a speech like this when I had 10,000, and I ultimately look forward to making a speech like this when we hit 30,000. Hopefully that's sooner than later. Um, Thank you again. It means more to me than you'll probably ever know if you've ever listened to a podcast episode, even for just a second. Um, Thank you once again, and as we always end here on the sack, we will be seeing i